so I, I'm going to preach the message today in winning your war is simply called stay the course because that's the phrase that God gave me for at least the first part of this year in believing for him to do something special. So everybody just shout out, stay the course. course. All right, if you will stand for the reading of God's word, look to your neighbor and say, God's got a word for you today. Amen. Amen. Stay the course. So coming out of Joshua chapter 6, and if you've got uh, your Bibles on on, uh, on the YouVersion app, and how many of you are enjoying reading the Bible through? I'm loving doing that, loving seeing what some of your comments are and so forth, and uh, they're really good, and I know right now Leviticus in the early part of Numbers is a real page turner, so thank you for continuing to go through that, and uh, yeah, we'll, get to, we'll get to some other stories here shortly if you're in Numbers are getting ready to get pretty soon into the uh, spies and some of the really good stories. I know uh, some of that Leviticus, you just can't wait to get into more of that. So just continue reading it all year. You'll enjoy that. Amen. Stay the course. Is it all right to have a little fun? Y'all are looking at me like I can't believe pastor's saying that. Don't even act like you are loving reading Leviticus. Let's just get real. Amen. How many of you are glad when you read Leviticus that Jesus came and we live on this side of Jesus in the cross versus that side of the cross? Amen. We got it made. All we got to do is go to the Father and the throne. Praise God. Amen. All right. Stay in the course. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 through 16. I'm very excited about this word. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the sons of Israel. I want you to catch that. Very important right there. They were tightly shut up. Why? Because Israel was there. No one went out, no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, everybody say, the Lord spoke to Joshua. Not everyone, just Joshua. And that's important for where I'm going with this. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also... Seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up, every man straight ahead. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests uh, and and let seven priests carry the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. Then he said to the people, "Go forward and march around the city, and let the armed men go on before the ark of the Lord." And it was so that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. Verse 10, but Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you shout, then you shall shout. Joshua was the only one that knew the entire plan. Let me go on. So he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling it at once. Then they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Now Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. 
The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while they continued to blow the trumpets. Thus the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp, and they did so for six days. The blowing of the trumpets represents praise and worship, both before his presence and after and all along while they're marching. Then on the seventh day they rose early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. Only on that day they marched around the city seven times. At that seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Verse 20, so the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets, and when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this on-time message for where we are as a church, for where we are as a people, individually, the things that we're believing for. And God, I'm asking you now, God, to anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. I pray, God, let this seed fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. Father, let us receive this message, Father, be encouraged to keep marching to stay the course because we will win our war. I thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five somebody and tell them stay the course. Amen. High five somebody else and say stay the course. Woo! <laughs> the value of courage, persistence, Perseverance has rarely been illustrated more convincingly than in the life of this man. He failed in business at the age of 22. Ran for legislator, defeated at 23. Again failed in business, 24. Elected to legislature, 25. His sweetheart died, 26. He had a nervous breakdown, 27. And you thought your 20s were bad. He was defeated for speaker at 29, defeated for elector at 31, defeated for Congress at 34, elected to Congress at 37, defeated for Congress at 39, defeated for Senate at 46, defeated for Vice President at 47, defeated for Senate at age 49, but then elected President of the United States at age 51, and that is the resume of one Abraham Lincoln. Perhaps he had to go through such terrible, tough times in order to have the strength to help this nation get through its worst war in our history, the Civil War. You see, what's impressive is not someone starting something, but having the fortitude and the perseverance to finish it and follow through. Somebody say a good amen. All over this room, there are promises that have not yet been possessed. 
all over this room. You have promises in your hand, but you don't yet possess it and you don't yet see it. For us as a church, we have the promise of our Rehoboth, but yet we no longer, we don't possess it. We don't have it, yet we still believe what God says to be true. Someone say amen. Now, there are three things that cause God's people to stop short of God's promises that I want to point out. Point number one is this. Problems can block your perspective. Say that with me. Say problems can block your perspective. This passage features the first battle that Israel would have in the promised land while they had the promise of the promised land for many generations. Joshua was picked by God to lead them through, and so they cross the Jordan River, and on the way they go into the promised land, here they come, and the first thing they run into is a problem. I want to tell you something. When you have a promise in one hand, and you're trying to receive it, there will always be a problem blocking your path. There will always be a problem blocking your perspective. There will always be an obstacle in your way. Nothing's ever easy. Nothing's ever cheap. There's always going to be something there, a problem in your way. Look what Joshua 6.1 says. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. The city was on lockdown, folks. It was tightly, or the better word to describe it in the, in the Hebrew there is securely shut up. So here come the Israelites. God says, the wall's going to come down. You're going to get, this is going to be your first city. And all they can do is see massive walls. What do you do when you get marching into what God has told you to do and all you see and all you have in front of you is obstacles and problems and walls? To them, it looked like an impossible situation. Now, Jericho is not a huge city, but it did have huge walls. It was actually a small city with massive walls. So massive, historians tell us, that they could race five chariots side by side racing along the top of the wall. So here come the Israelites. Man, they just experienced the Jordan River standing at attention. They walked on dry ground. Man, they've got their ready to charge the hill. And they look, and what do they see? Massive, impregnable walls that they have they have no way that they can do anything with it looked like an impossible situation but I want to tell you impossible situations watch this are not intimidating to God what intimidates you and I God doesn't even smile at just what is that the same God who created everything you see the same God who created you and I and the universe and the stars the same God that the historian, that the scientists tell us there's over 100 billion stars in our galaxy alone, yet the Bible says he calls them all by name and he knows their number. What's intimidating and seems impossible to you and I is nothing to God. Woo! Somebody shout glory. The sign that something is tightly shut up in your life may not be the sign that you can't get in. <laughs> The sign that something is tightly shut up in your life may be the sign that the enemy can't keep you out. The Bible says in verse 1 that it was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. It wasn't about the children of Israel not being able to get in. It was about them saying, we can't keep you out. 
I want to tell you something. When it seems impossible in your life, it may be that the enemy knows he can't keep your promise from you. When it seems like our Rehoboth is long and coming and it seems like we will not get it anytime soon, it may not be anything to do with what we can do. It's the fact that the enemy knows he can't keep us from where we're going. I want to tell you, I was just telling some friends this week. I said, I want to tell you, God's, God's timing is so much more patient than mine. How many know what I'm talking about? God's timing is way beyond our timing. And nothing we can do can hurry the hand of God. But watch this. When God says time's up, there's nothing the devil can do to stop it. Woo! Somebody shout glory. Let me say it again. When God's time is up, there is nothing the devil or anybody else can do to stop the hand of God. The enemy had already heard about the children of Israel and they were scared. So see, the thing that you think, the thing that's scaring you is actually the enemy scared of you. You see the different mindset? Watch verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given. Everybody say, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant warriors. God is speaking in past tense before it ever happens. Verse 1, it's tightly shut up. It's impossible. Verse 2, God looks and says, oh, don't worry about that. I've already given it to you. So you get in one hand a report from the doctor that says it's cancer and it don't look good. God says, don't worry about it. I already got that. You're already giving you healing. God, my marriage is a mess. There ain't no hope. I already fixed it. I got it taken care of. God, I don't see no way we can get our Rehoboth. I already give it to you. God, I've got this promise from you, and it looks like there's no way. And God says, no, I've already given it to you. See, the thing that you look at that seems impossible is not your reality. Your reality is what God says. What do you do? What do you do when what you see doesn't look anything like what God said? What do you do when you're believing God's promises and it hasn't materialized yet? What do you do when it says you and your household will be saved and your kids, you want to help go ahead and send them in eternity? What do you do when your loved ones won't listen no matter what you tell them? What do you do when the pastor preaches on joy and you go home depressed? What do you do when the pastor preaches on peace and there's nothing but strife and turmoil in your home and you don't even want to go home? Sometimes what God says doesn't look anything like what we see. Is anybody hearing me today? And the enemy will use problems to block your perspective. So it's either we're going to walk by faith and believe what God says, or we're going to walk by sight and see an impossible situation. Jericho, as I said, was not a big city. As a matter of fact, historians say there was about five Ways that you could get into a walled city. Yet God says, you know, that's five ways man can do. But what I'm about to do ain't on the charts. What I'm about to do ain't going to make sense. What I'm about to do is not one that's been done before. What I'm about to do is not one that man can do. I'm about to come up with option number six. Man, I'm coming to preach somebody and tell you, you have tried to figure every which way you can manufacture your promise to happen. And I believe God is saying to us today, you can manufacture in your brain all these other ways, but I'm about to do a new thing. I'm going to do it a different way, one you haven't seen, one you haven't thought of, and I will do it, says the Lord. 
Yes, amen. Sometimes in order to win your war, you got to do something ridiculous. Sometimes in order to win your war God's way, you have to do things that don't make any sense. All right, God, we're ready for battle. We're going to scale the walls. No, no, you're just going to keep your mouth shut and walk. What? Come on, God, we got some good scalers. We got our own Navy SEALs. We got our own special ops team. Man, we got the dudes in our camp. We're ready to go charge the hill. God says, no, just walk. Well, God, can we talk? No, just shut your mouth and march. There are times when you walk with God and you're believing for your promises individually or you're believing God for our promise of our Rehoboth that the only thing we can do is keep on marching. Keep marching. Keep praying. Keep believing even when it seems like the situation is impossible. Because if all you ever see is your problems, you will never win your war. Are you going to look at your problems or are you going to look at the word of God? All Joshua, listen, all Joshua saw when he looked up was massive walls that were impenetrable. But what God told him in verse 2 was actually his reality. And what God has spoken to us and the promises of the word is our reality, not what we see. Man, can anybody hear what I'm saying today? The city being locked up is about the enemy realizing he can't keep us out. Listen, there is a wonderful neighborhood God's going to put us in. There is a wonderful Rehoboth God is going to put us in. And we're going to minister to that community wherever it is. And we're going to go in and the devil won't be able to stop us. The reason the enemy fights so hard is because he can't win. The reason he fights so hard against your children is because he knows he can't have them. The reason he fights your faith so hard is because he knows he has already lost the war. Just because God promised it though doesn't mean I yet possess it. I don't automatically possess what God says. So the enemy puts up walls to keep our perspective low and our problems to keep us out of it. But I want to tell you, praise and worship will lift your perspective beyond your walls. See, when you magnify your problems in your walls, they get bigger and God gets smaller. But when you come in here and you worship God... And you sing things like, I speak the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, Jesus gets bigger in your eyes and your walls get smaller. Somebody say amen. amen. Perhaps the reason that we're not believing God for the impossible is because we're not focusing on Jesus and his word. And we're focusing rather on everything we see in the natural. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying today? Point number two is this. Your progress isn't always obvious. Just because we're here at 3 o'clock in Harrison and have been for a while, just because we've been four and a half years since we sold the building on Central Parkway, does not mean that we are not making progress. Why? We are in a season of preparation. Let me get to that here in a minute. See, in verses 3 through 5, he says, God does. He says, when you march... Guess what? The walls will fall. Everybody shout, the walls will fall. 
when will they fall? <laughs> After six days of marching and marching and marching and nothing moving. Somebody needs to hear this. When will you win your war? After you march in faith, march in faith, march in faith, and nothing moving. When will we walk into our Rehoboth and into where God has for us? When we march and we march and we march and we see nothing moving. Why? Listen, we want to see, th- I want to see things happen immediately, right? If God tells me march, I don't know if you're like me, you know, I'd like to see, I'd like to see some grout break loose. I'd like to see a brick fall off. You know, is anybody like me? I- I'd like to feel the earth tremble a little under my feet. Whoa, whoa, I feel something, Amen. And it ain't rumbling in my belly. It's the ground. Praise God. I feel it. Did you see that brick fall? Did you see the ground come out? I'm telling you, God's doing something. That's what we want to see. But you know that's not how God works. God says, you're going to march and march and march, and there ain't no brick going to fall. There ain't no mortar coming out. There ain't no shaking in the ground until the day he says it's done. That's where the challenge is. Why? He will set us up to march and nothing happen. He will set our church up to pray, to fast, to march, to believe God, to sing praises, to believe with all our heart, mind, and soul, and nothing happen. Listen, isn't this the way it feels when you're trying to get your finances in order? No matter how hard you try, nothing seems to go the right way. Isn't it the way you feel sometimes when you're praying? You pray for something over and over. You pray for your kids for years and years, and you say, why do I even bother? They won't listen, and nothing changes. Isn't it it that way? God says, you're going to have to walk by faith and not by sight. You're going to have to march around those walls that seem like it's impossible. And believe me, you're going to have to march and believe I'm working even when it seems like I'm not working. Man, I'm preaching to somebody. For six days, they march and nothing happens. Six is the number of men. It's like God saying, you know what? You're not going to be the result of this, and you're not going to get the glory. <laughs> I'm going to do something so awesome. I'm going to extend, go to your, to your nth degree where you can no longer have a possibility, where options of what you can do no longer matter, because what I'm about to do goes beyond what man can do, and it's only what God can do. Six laps, nothing happens. You know what God was saying? Joshua, walk it out even when it doesn't seem to work. You know what he's saying to us today? Bridge of hope. Walk it out even when it doesn't seem like it's going to work. Walk it out. Keep marching even though you keep seeing the same walls and they don't seem to be going anywhere. Because I'm telling you, when God's time is up, there is no nothing in hell, nothing on earth, nothing in the heavens that can stop God when his time is ready. Does anybody believe that? Pastor, you don't know about my kid. No, I may not know about your kid, but I know about God. (laughs) And as hard as your kid may be hard-headed and wanting to do their own thing their own way today, in one split second, God can change their heart, change their spirit, and catch them on fire for him. Woo! Somebody say amen. So the question is this. Will you do God's will even when it doesn't seem to work? 
Will you continue to forgive even when they refuse to return the sentiment? Will you continue to pray even when you every day wake up and don't see the answers? Will you continue to believe and remain steadfast even though we aren't in our Rehoboth yet? We have to walk even when no progress is evident in the natural. Because something's happening in the spirit realm. Maybe, listen, maybe the reason God allows us to walk around the walls and see no result is because he wants us less focused on the outcome and more focused on obedience. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is ours. Maybe the reason is because God says, are you going to be obedient even when it doesn't make sense? And even when you see no results in your life. Is anybody hearing this? So as they're walking around, nothing was happening to the wall. But watch, something was happening. What was happening? What was happening was not on the wall. What was happening was in them. Listen, God was preparing them for their promise. This is where we are as a church right now. We are in a place of preparation. We're in a place of preparation. We are growing. We are growing stronger in unity. We are growing stronger in the Lord. We are growing stronger together. And watch this. Why? God is preparing us for where he is sending us. We weren't ready for our promise up till now. We weren't ready to walk in our promised land or God would have already put us there. He is doing something in all of us as a collective body to prepare us for where we're going. And so that's why we're going to do things like in two weeks. We're going to do connecting point in here at 2 o'clock. I want the whole church to come, if you will. Maybe it's, you've done it seven years ago, eight years ago. That's okay. Come do it again. We've got to be prepared. There is a harvest of people coming. I can't tell you what the Lord has put in me. How many times the nets are going to break. So many people, they can't get in the doors. Well, are you ready? Are you prepared to disciple people? I can't disciple 100 people. It's going to take all of us. Are you in a walk with God where you're prepared and ready to pour into somebody else? Are you prepared in your life to say, hey, I'll take this person who just came to Christ and I'll walk them through the pages of the Bible. I'll teach them what it means to be a disciple. I'll prepare them to be a, have a walk with God and walk by faith. That's what it's going to take. Somebody say amen. amen. Are we prepared for the battle? You see, that's where we are as a church. We are in a place of preparation. Everybody say, I'm being prepared. God's not wasting our time in Harrison at 3 o'clock. God has put us out here for protection, for provision, for all kinds of things, perseverance, preservation, you name it. And he is saying, I'm preparing you for the promised land. In five years, when they crossed the Jordan, they took over most of the promised land. They were prepared. God had built them up, made them ready to take the land. Listen, in verse 6 through 10, I love this. Joshua told them to march, but Joshua never told the people how long it was going to take. I love this. Now, I don't know. God didn't tell me how long it was going to be. I wish he did. Probably he doesn't tell me because I tell you. But Joshua was able to keep it a secret. He was the only one who knew the entire plan everyone else had to trust. Wouldn't it be nice if God would let us know how many laps we had left? Wouldn't it be nice if God would let us know how many laps to win your war? 
Wouldn't it be nice for God to speak right now and say, X amount of days till you walk in your Rehoboth? Wouldn't it be nice to know how much longer before our kids really get saved? Or before the medical doctor says you've been healed? Or before the debt collector says it's paid off? Wouldn't it be nice to know how much longer and how many more laps? Yet that's not the way God works. Joshua 6, 11. So he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling it once. Then they came into camp and spent the night in the camp. Now, imagine you're a soldier, right? You leave out that morning from your little tent. Your wife and kids, you know, they're whispering. They, don't, they knew better than to talk loud. Don't tell me that none of them said a word for seven days. They, you know, hey, hey, don't leave a dude. I got my sword. We're going to kill somebody. Okay, sounds good. Out the door he comes. He comes back later in the afternoon. Wife says, what happened? Well, we, we just kind of walked around. Well, who'd you kill? Well, we just sort of scouted things out. Well, then what'd you do? Well, we cooled off and hit the water bucket. Oh, yeah, well, what's tomorrow? I don't know. We'll get up in the morning and do what the boss says. Second day. Same answer. Six days, by this point, the wife's frustrated. Well, what'd you do today? <laughs> well, we just kind of, I don't know, honey. I don't know what the battle plan is. We just walk around these stupid walls all day, and we do nothing. Shh, keep it down. They're going to hear you. We're not supposed to say a word. Don't you know that's how it happened? Daddy, Daddy, where's the blood? Well, there, there, there's no fight. We just sort of walk. I don't know what to tell you. Well, what about the city? Well, I don't know. There's just walls there. Well, what about, no, what about nothing? I don't know. God said walk, and that's what we're doing. And I don't know about this Joshua guy, what he's gotten us into. This guy, he just, he won't hit nothing. We don't know. He just says, I'll see you in the morning for another march. What are we doing? Pastor, why are we in Harrison at three? I don't know. But I know the walls are going to come down. Pastor, we're just marching and marching and marching and setting up and tearing down and setting up and tearing down. And we think, well, this will be the week. Well, that's not the week. This will be the day. This is not the day. Oh, I can tell you is there's coming a day <laughs> where that wall's going to come down, where that phone's going to ring, where we're going to say, hey, good news, everybody. God has put us in a place. We're going to stay the course, and we're going to keep marching. We're going to keep believing. We're going to keep going after God until Till the day the walls fall down flat. I mean, to me, the worst part is they didn't know how much longer they had to march. Joshua never told them. Can you imagine the frustration? Can you imagine the disappointment to believe as you head out of that tent today? Oh, today's the day. You tell the wife, hey, honey, we're going to the city tonight. <laughs> no more of this tent life for us. We're going five-star hotel tomorrow, baby. Pack the bags, get the kids ready. We're like George Jefferson. We're moving on up. Glory to God. Some of y'all ain't old enough to catch that. <laughs> Used to be a show. Anyways, can you imagine the letdown? Come back in, the husband got his head down. The wife's like, really? Again today? Nothing? Nothing. Have you ever gotten your hopes up for a promise and it not happened the way you thought it would or when you thought it would? 
Maybe you thought, wow, I saw a little difference in my spouse there. I, I think maybe we're turning the corner only to see it even worse the next day. Or you say, man, I'm feeling better. I know the doctor. Last three times I went to the doctor, the report got better and better and better. And fourth time, it's like, boom, what happened? Or the kids, they seem to be going in the right direction. All of a sudden, it's like, whoo, sharp U-turn. And like, what is going on in my life? Has anybody ever been there? Have you ever been so close to obtaining your promise that you could see it? You could taste it. You could almost touch it. And you go back home at the end of the day without it. Have you ever had to endure that kind of frustration, that kind of disappointment, that kind of hopelessness? Have you ever thought, this is going to be the season we're going to win our war, only to go into another season fighting the same battles? Do you think by now, did you think by now we'd be in a Rehoboth? I can tell you I did. Thank God he didn't tell me, well, you know, four and a half years ago, that's going to be at least four and a half years. I said, what? Thank God he hid it from us. Don't quit at six. Stay the course. Everybody say, stay the course. Everybody say it again, stay the course. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying today. I said, somebody say, stay the course. You're, we're going to get our promises, but we have to keep marching. Point number three, my last point is this. God uses the process to prepare you for the promise. Listen, if you turn on NASCAR, right, at the bottom of the screen, they're going to tell you how many laps are left. As a matter of fact, they'll have a guy in the little booth hanging over the track, and he'll wave a white flag when it's the last lap. And so the drivers know exactly how many laps are left. You as the TV audience know, right, they know exactly how far to go. But the problem is God doesn't wave a white flag in our realm. So as a result, we get tired of believing, we get tired of, of praying, we get tired and we wave our white flag, and we wave the towel, and we give up, and we give in just before we get our breakthrough. Because we can't see the end if you just don't give up in this season. If you just don't give up in this trial. If you just don't give up on your marriage. If you just don't give up on the Rehoboth. Listen, just one more prayer. Just one more sacrifice. Just one more fast. Just one more praise. Just one more worship. And you'll win your war. You will make it. Just one more prayer meeting. Just one more church service. Just one more coming together and believing together. And we'll walk right into our Rehoboth. We can't quit. I'm going to say it again. We can't quit. You just walk it out another week. Just walk it out another Sunday. Just walk it out another day. Just keep believing the word. Just keep quoting the scriptures. Just keep praying. Keep fasting. You will win your war. That's why you can't quit at six. You might be right at your breakthrough. You might be right at your promise. Stay the course. You might be so close. Wouldn't it be a shame to quit when you're this close? Wouldn't it be a shame for you to quit when you've come this far? Wouldn't it have been a shame for an entire generation to walk 40 years in the desert, walk through dry ground on a Jordan River miracle, only to quit at their first fight in the promised land? 
Wouldn't it be awful to bail out when you're on your last lap to winning your war? Wouldn't it be a shame to quit when your spouse will get saved tomorrow? Wouldn't it be a shame to quit praying and believing when tomorrow or this week could be your kid's day where they radically come to Christ? Wouldn't it be a shame for us to quit when we're just around the corner from our Rehoboth? Man, I wish somebody would hear me. Stay the course. Poke your neighbor and say, stay the course. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Somebody say amen. That's God saying, hey, don't quit. Don't give up. Stand fast in the Lord. You will get your victory. You will win your war. Just stay the course. Florence Chadwick was the first woman to swim across the English Channel all the way across and back. Nice, that's a Mac Daddy deal right there. (laughs) So she decided on July 4th, 1951, she was going to swim from Catalina Island to the California coast, which is 20 miles. Now, beyond the distance of the 20 miles, the bone-chilling waters of the Pacific Ocean is the real deal. That's where the real problem is. But on top of that problem, there was a terrible, dense fog that stretched across the water to the coastline, and she could not see the end. She swam for 15 hours, and within a half a mile of reaching the coast, she quit. Later, she told a reporter, I don't mean to make excuses, but if I could have just seen the end, if I could have just seen the land, I would have kept on swimming. This message is for someone, and you're walking in circles, and you've been marching, and you've been declaring scriptures over your children. You've been declaring scriptures over your body. You've been declaring scriptures over your marriage. You've been declaring scriptures over the church, and you've been marching and marching and walking in circles and walking in circles. This message is for you because you have a promise, but you haven't possessed it yet, so stay the course and keep on marching. This message is for us as a church. We have believed God for four and a half years. We have marched. We have fasted. We have prayed. We have kept marching, kept believing. Listen, don't give up. Stay the course. We do have a place God's going to put us. We do have a land he's going to put us in. Woo, somebody shout glory. I mean, perhaps you're here tonight. You say, how many more nights will I remain single? How many more days will I pray and not win my war? How many more weeks will I have to see my family member in a destructive lifestyle and they not come to Christ? How much longer before we walk into our Rehoboth, Lord? What do you do when you've walked around something so long and you simply haven't seen it materialize yet? What do you do? I mean, why would God allow us to walk around the wall six times and it not fall? Ever thought about that? Why can't I just walk around at once? Why can't I just speak to the mountain and say, move? That's what Mark says. Why does God allow me to march and march? Why couldn't it happen in lap one? I'll tell you why. 
Because God says it's not until you walk seven laps so that once you get into your promise, once you get your miracle, once you get your Rehoboth, you'll know where it came from. What do I mean by that? If it went down lap one, you would think your shout did it. That you had a plan and that you made the walls fall somehow. If we lapped around our walls one time as a church and got our Rehoboth, we would think somehow we did it. Somehow our shout had a part in it. But I want to tell you what God is going to do. He's going to let us circle, and he has. We've circled, and we've marched, and we've circled, and we've marched, and we've circled, and we've marched. Why? Because God's trying to prepare us in order to handle the promise. Whoo, man, I'm going somewhere with this. Somebody shout amen. Watch this. Hebrews 10, 35, 36. So do not throw away the confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. I love love this. I really don't love this, but it's helpful. Patient endurance. Are you seeing this? Patient endurance is what you need now. Now, if you're like me, you want to look at that scripture and go, boo! I don't want to be patiently enduring. I want it now. Anybody honest enough to say that I, I don't want it? I don't like this scripture. Bad. Boo. <laughs> so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive what all that he has promised. Hebrews 6.12. Watch this. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through, watch this, faith and what? Who, faith and what? Faith and what? Oh, I want you to say it like you mean it. Faith in what? Faith in what? Inherit what has been promised. See, we don't mind faith because we can step out and say, I believe you, God, right now. But what happens when Tuesday morning rolls around and you haven't won your war? What happens when Thursday happens and your kids still ain't right? What happens when next Sunday rolls around and we're still not in our Rehoboth? The Bible says it's faith and patience. Patient endures and we will receive the promise. Everybody just shout, say, it's mine. No, you're not hearing me. I said, shout it out, say, the promise is mine. Like Nemo, the little bird, you know, mine, 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 mine. Amen. Look, you don't have to feel it to do the will of God. You don't have to understand it to do the will of God. You just got to do it. You just got to keep believing and keep marching. It is in the, listen, it is in the process of circling my problem and my walls that God prepares me for the promise. Listen, listen very closely to this. In circling the walls, in marching around the walls, in all the time we've been marching as a church, and all the time you've been believing for your kid to get right, and all the countless hours of praying and fasting and circling and marching, watch, it's in that that I get strong enough to fight the battle once the walls fall down. The battle is not the wall falling. The battle's on the other side. The battle is not us getting into our community and our Rehoboth. The battle is kicking the devil out of that community and seeing them come to Christ. And God is preparing us as a body for that spiritual warfare. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Perhaps the reason that the devil fights with your kids 
so hard is because he knows they're going to do the greatest good for the kingdom of God. You see, we need to persevere because this may be your seventh lap. I'm almost done. You know, like Nemo, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Come on, sing it with me. Say, just keep swimming. How many of you seen Nemo? How many of you seen Nemo? Raise your hand if you've seen Nemo. All right, everybody collectively, you ready? We've got a new worship song today. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. I want to see our emotions. Come on, everybody. Just keep swimming. Here we go. You ready? Just keep marching. Just keep marching. Stay the course. Yeah, I'm going to write a song up here today. I might even do a rap. Stay the course. Yo, 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 yo. I better go on. Not long after Florence Chadwick gave up a half a mile within reach, she tried it again. Same scenario, she got in the icy cold waters of the Pacific Ocean. A veil of fog covered everything, but this time she made it because she kept telling herself, I know there's an end to this. I know that land is in front. And she not only made it, she broke the men's record by two hours because she knew there was a finish line. I want to tell you, no matter what you got to do, just keep doing it. Just keep walking. Just keep running. Just keep crawling. My God, somebody needs to hear this. If you feel like I don't have the energy or the strength to fight this anymore, I'm tired of my kids acting like this. I'm tired of them not listening. I'm tired of not having a Rehoboth. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. It don't matter what you're tired of. I'm tired of the doctor's report. I'm tired of my body not feeling well. I don't have the strength to run. I don't have the strength to, to walk, but I'll crawl. I'm just going to keep moving. If I got an army crawl, glory to God, I'm going to keep moving because I know there's a finish line. I know there's a Rehoboth. I know there's a miracle. I know my children will be saved. I know my marriage will be rescued. Dear God, somebody just keep crawling. Woo! Somebody say crawl. Act like this is your last lap. Act like that your prayer is going to be answered today. Act like your worship today is going to call the walls to fall down. This could be your seventh lap. Why? Because one day you'll be right. Let me say that again. One day you'll be right. Here's the diary of John Wesley. Sunday, um, May 5th, preached in St. Anne's. Was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday, p.m., May 5th, preached in St. John's. Deacon said... Get out and stay out. That's two in one day. Next Sunday, AM, May 12, preached in St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Next week, Sunday, AM, May 19, preached at St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called special meeting and said, I couldn't return. Sunday, PM, May 19, preached on street, kicked off street. This dude had it rough. Sunday a.m., next Sunday, May 26, preached in Meadow, chased out a meadow as bull was turned loose during service. <laughs> they can't turn the bull loose on him. Boy, that'll get you out. Next Sunday a.m., June 2nd, preached out at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. I mean, this is a string of bad luck here. 
Sunday p.m. June 2nd, afternoon, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came out to hear me. Stay the course, folks. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't quit marching at 3. Don't quit marching at 4. Don't quit marching until you receive your promise. Somebody shout, stay the course. Yes, I need to catch my breath. I said, stay the course.